0: Hello and welcome to The Alcohol Alert, brought to you by the Institute of Alcohol Studies. In this month's podcast, we spoke to addiction psychiatrist and IAS's chair, Dr Peter Rice, about changes to alcohol duty made in the spring budget. Before we get to that, our head of research, Dr Sadie Boniface, explains the findings of a new study that found Scotland's minimum unit pricing policy reduced deaths in the country by 13.4%.
1: So this new paper in The Lancet by Grant Wiper and colleagues is a big landmark in the overall evaluation of minimum unit pricing that's been funded by the Scottish Government. So what did they do? Well, the study looks at two outcomes before and after minimum unit pricing was implemented in Scotland in 2018. And they're comparing with England, where there's no minimum price. So the health outcomes that they're looking at are deaths, wholly attributable to alcohol consumption, and hospitalizations wholly attributable to alcohol consumption. Now I've read the paper and this is really high quality research. It's using official data on deaths and hospitalisations and they're also controlling for other factors such as demographic differences between England and Scotland and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and the associated restrictions as well. The time period studied goes up to December 2020, so that's 32 months of minimum unit pricing in Scotland. So what did they find? Well, minimum unit pricing in Scotland was associated with a 13% reduction in deaths, and the paper says that's equivalent to saving 156 lives a year. Uh, minimum unit pricing was also associated with a 4% reduction in hospitalizations, but this was not statistically significant, so we can't be so confident on this figure um, and whether it's different from zero. So it would have been equivalent to around 400 fewer hospitalisations a year, but like I said, there's more uncertainty around this figure. But that 13% decrease in deaths, that was significant. And that was really driven by a decrease in chronic deaths of almost 15%. Now, at the same time, there was a 5% increase in acute deaths as opposed to chronic deaths. But here, the numbers are much smaller and they were not statistically significant. So we can't be sure if there was really an increase in acute deaths or not. Um, acute hospitalizations did also go up again, though not significant and greatly outweighed by a fall in chronic hospitalizations. So what's going on in the difference between acute and chronic outcomes is definitely something to watch for the future. But overall, the impact is really positive. So finally, the decrease in deaths was bigger in the 40% most deprived areas of Scotland. So this is good evidence that minimum unit pricing is narrowing health inequalities. And this fits really well with the findings from the modelling studies as well. So summing up... This is an observational study so on its own it cannot prove a causal link but there were no other major alcohol policy changes in the time period studied and the authors have done a really good job controlling for other external factors as well. So taken together this plus all the other evidence from minimum unit pricing in Scotland the picture is very positive from the evaluation. This study only looks at the first 32 months um, following the introduction of minimum unit pricing in Scotland, so it only goes up to December 2020, Um, and previous evidence suggests that the health gains from minimum unit pricing should continue longer into the future. So the figures from this study aren't the final say. However, with minimum unit pricing being set now at a level that was first proposed well over a decade ago of 50p per unit, That, plus inflation levels being so high as they currently are, this does risk watering down the impact of the policy as it currently stands. But that will all get considered in the future because this study is part of a big evaluation and a full report summarising all these different components of the evaluation of minimum unit pricing in Scotland will be coming later this year from Public Health Scotland.
0: Now over to Dr Peter Rice to discuss what the Chancellor announced in the spring budget.
2: He actually announced two things in a very short statement of a couple of sentences. He announced that all alcohol duties were going to go up by an inflationary measure, the Retail Price Index, which I understand is going to be 10.1%, and that increase will apply from the 1st of August to all alcohol products. And the second thing he announced is that alongside that, there would be what's called draft relief, which is a new measure Uh, which will reduce the tax on some products in pubs and in fact that's designed to to get rid of the price rise effectively for uh, mainly beer and cider in pubs so uh, the cost of all products is going up but beer and cider in pubs is going to be effectively frozen.
0: So that duty rise, who in the alcohol industry will that affect the most?
2: Well, one of the slightly unusual things about this budget is that is that all alcohol categories are affected equally. Um, so, although that's what's um, anticipated to happen in the budget by the Office of Budget Responsibility, in fact, it rarely does happen, and usually the Chancellor will tinker a little bit with doing something with beer, but not with wine or 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 vice versa. Um, so, in fact, seeing all. Alcohol products going up by the same amount is uh, what should be normal, but is in practice a little bit unusual. So um, all parts of the drinks industry will be affected equally. But of course, the pubs will benefit somewhat from the draft duty relief, uh, which is a a, a a new measure.
0: So this duty rise that will be probably affect um, alcohol in supermarkets a bit more, Does that duty rise have to be passed on to the consumer with price rises or could that be absorbed into the profits of the company or in in some other ways?
2: Yes, that's an important question. In fact, we don't know very much about the way that the industry handles these price costs or their pricing policy. Generally, it tends to be actually kept very secret. So even people within the industry will, will not know the arrangements between, for instance, a, a major supermarket and a major brewer about, you know, how much is being paid for the product, what bonuses are being paid for hitting certain sales targets and so on and so forth. Um, but to look at the fundamentals, the duty is paid by the producers and importers. That's who pays the duty to the government. Um, and the way in which any additional costs are passed down the chain from the producer or importer to a wholesaler, to a supermarket and to the customer um, is, is complex and very variable. Um, one thing that we we do know is that there is evidence from work that the University of Sheffield did that price increases tend to be loaded onto the more expensive products. So for instance, if if wine goes up by 50 pence a bottle, we, we might see 75 pence increase going on to wine over 10 pounds, for instance, and a 25% increase onto onto cheaper wines. So in other words, the, the companies tend to do what they can to keep the price of the cheapest stuff low and will put the price on to expensive products, which is actually not what you want for from health. You want the the other thing to happen, you want the cheap products to go up in price. And that's one of the reasons we favored minimum unit price um, when we were looking at at, at possible price mechanisms in, in Scotland is that minimum unit price, first of all, has a guaranteed effect on the price on the shelf. And secondly, it focuses the price increase on the cheapest products, which is the opposite of what the industry seem to want to do
0: that's a really interesting point and it's something that I've definitely heard people within the public health community talking about is that perhaps minimum unit pricing isn't as important now because we have this alcohol duty reform which will increase the price of cheap products but as you say if if it's a bit more nuanced than that and the industry is um loading uh, price increases on more expensive products, so that they can maintain their products. There's an argument that MUP, yeah, would prevent this, and therefore is needed um, to complement uh, changes to alcohol duty.
2: I think that's correct. The two mechanisms, I think, work together quite well. That alcohol duty, if you like, sets the, you know, sets sets the 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 duty that's paid by the industry kind of overall, um, and that you know determines the revenue that's coming into the government. But minimum unit price allows a mechanism to to get around the tactics and approaches that the industry may may use perfectly legally, but the things that they may use to introduce, I guess, what we'd we would see as as distortions in the market, which end up being bad for health and and keeping cheap alcohol cheap would be would be one of those uh, distortions.
0: So over the past ten years or so, duty has. Um, mostly been frozen um, or cut. Uh, and only once in 2017 was it increased in line with inflation. Um, although, as, as, as I think you said, the default assumption is that it is supposed to go up um, each year with inflation so that it maintains the same value in real terms. How has this affected public health, this freezing and cutting of duty?
2: The well, freezing and cutting duty, particularly of spirits, has been going on for quite a long time. So it's about 25 years. Spirits have enjoyed a very particularly have enjoyed a very favourable series of decisions, uh, with the exception of the alcohol duty escalator from 2008 to, to 2012. So that four year period was, was one period when alcohol duties did, did go up actually 2% above the rate of inflation. But that was a bit unusual in general. We've, we've seen cuts in alcohol duty, particularly for spirits. Uh, and that has really led to a situation where, where we have record levels of, of health harm in the in the UK. So our alcohol-specific deaths are running at the, at, at the highest level ever. The increases have not been so much in Scotland. We think minimum unit price has mitigated the 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 effects of the duty increases, and to a certain extent, the, the, also the effects of change in behaviour during the pandemic. But yes, overall, the last 10 years, and in fact, the last 25 years, have not been good for alcohol-related harm in the UK. And I think there's good reason to believe that the, the duty policies have been part of creating those problems, I'm, I'm sorry to say.
0: And over the past um, 10 years or so, and actually, yeah, as you say, if you go back further, go back to 1987, alcohol is now 72% more affordable than it was in 87. And you can see that is paralleled with um, a growing disparity between on-trade, the cost of on-trade alcohol, so alcohol in pubs and restaurants and bars, and the cost of alcohol in the off-trade, so supermarkets and at the budget uh, each year when they do freeze or cut duty, it's always said that this will help pubs. And across the media, it's also said this will this will help pubs, it'll make your pint cheaper. Um, have these consecutive freezers over the last 10 years helped the on-trade?
2: Well, I think we've become increasingly a, a, a home-drinking country over the last 25 years or so. Uh, up until the mid '90s, certainly in Scotland, the, the, the majority of alcohol was consumed in pubs, and we've seen a very big transformation in that over the last 25 years or so. Uh, and now in Scotland, about 70 to 75 percent of alcohol is purchased off-sales, and the supermarkets, you know, dominate alcohol retail now in the UK. Uh, so it would seem to be that that the period when alcohol duties have has fallen has at the very least coincided with the growth of the of the off-trade. So I think it's it looks pretty clear that it's been the off-trade with their higher volumes, their lower property costs, their lower staff costs that have really benefited from the, the duty cuts and they've not been good for pubs. Uh, and I, I, I think if you look at the pattern of the last 25 years, that's pretty clear.
0: Uh, the uh, Institute of Alcohol Studies did some research um, a few years ago which highlighted that... Republicans, um, their biggest threat to their businesses is uh, really cheap supermarket alcohol. It isn't duty rises, and th- a few a few characters came out um, during the budget uh, or l- last week discussing this and said very clearly that that cuts to duty don't help them. That isn't what they want, and this is one of the reasons why this draft duty relief has been increased because that is seen as something that can attempt to. Uh, reduce that growing disparity between on and off sale um, alcohol prices. A- across the media as well, um, what we found last week was that there was a real focus on the industry arguments. Um, they really extensively covered the industry reaction to duty changes, especially focusing on the Wine and Spirits Trade Association and the Scotch Whiskey Association. The SWA said that distillers are not just livid but insulted Um, While the media really didn't mention the public health element of alcohol duty rises, especially across national papers, why do you think they had this focus?
2: Well, the the trade associations and particularly the two that you mentioned, the Wine Spirits Trade Association, Scotch Whiskey Association, campaigned very hard and and in quite flamboyant, I suppose, might be a a polite way to put it, uh, uh, way. And um, I think actually they they almost created part of the problem amongst their their members, that by raising these expectations in their members that alcohol duty should be frozen, uh, I I think that was part of the reason that that many producers would have been uh, so, so, so angry about this. They expected, they were told to expect by their associations, that that duties would be frozen, but in fact they ought to rise with inflation. I think any you know any economist looking at it would would would, would say that's the that's the proper thing to have happened. So yeah, so I think maybe the the kind of um, it, it was just more newsworthy i think the way that they they presented their their reaction and so on and um, in scotland where you know, there's been a lot of discussion about alcohol pricing and policy generally over the last 15 years in fact they they uh, alcohol NGOs were approached. So Scottish Health Action Alcohol Problems, Alcohol Focus Scotland, I think were were both included. Uh, their their views were included in the articles in the Scottish Press. They they weren't the headlines, but they were part of the article. So I think that maybe just reflects that the press are a little bit more used up here to having to to that this is quite a complex story that there are competing views and they need to cover that. Uh, but it's certainly a pity that in England the uh, the the health dimensions uh, weren't covered, because I think this budget is likely to be good news for public health, Uh, you know, um, and I think we might see some of those improvements quite quickly. So
0: on that note of of public health, um, one of the things that I think has been slightly, perhaps slightly confused in some of the media reports is that the, the budget changes are sort of coinciding with... Uh, reforms to alcohol duty which were announced in um, back in 2021 but will only come into force in August this year. When they are implemented how do you think the changes will affect public health?
2: Yes I, I think we had a good process actually led by the by by the Treasury on looking at, at duty reforms. I think it was a, it was a good quality debate. The background papers that were I think produced by the officials were high quality and, and even handed. And it, it was a, a good process to be contributing to, in my, my opinion. The things that the health bodies, including Institute of Alcohol Studies and Alcohol Health Alliance were, were looking for, was firstly that there's some consistency that drinks of the same strength in the same setting ought to pay the same duty. So a 5% drink in a pub, whether that's beer, whether that's a premixed spirit, Uh, whether it's cider should all pay the same duty. And there was some progress made in in that. Cider continues to get favourable treatment for historical reasons but there was a bit of a sign for the cider industry to be put on watch that that favourable treatment wouldn't last forever. So we felt that was a move in the right direction. Um, The maintenance of beer duty having a a structure that favours actually weaker drinks the rate actually drops a bit um, below two point eight percent, and we we thought that was a welcome thing to to be retained. We were also pleased that there was a recognition that higher strength drinks need to be taxed at a higher rate. So you need you ought to be paying more for your standard units of alcohol, your ten mls, if that's coming in a in a in a bottle of vodka at thirty seven and a half percent, than if it's coming in a bottle of beer at, at at maybe three and a half percent. And the reasons for that, I think, are there two main reasons. One is that it's cheaper to produce and distribute the vodka. So you need to correct for that price advantage that those stronger drinks have. And also, there's uh, internationally, there's a sense that stronger drinks carry higher risks. So pretty much every country in the world taxes stronger drinks at a higher rate. And we're very pleased to see that. That principle retained in the in the new reforms. Um, the one thing I think that we wanted to see, though, was a some kind of a, an a, an uprating mechanism that made the changes in alcohol duties less of a political theatre and a bit more of a kind of technical process that. That, that, that happens. Of course, Parliament are going to want to keep a view on it uh, on, as a tax measure, and so they should. Um, but it shouldn't be an absolute kind of public relations centrepiece of the, of the budget. We think that has led to some bad decisions. Uh, so we're still hope to get some kind of operating mechanism. We're also keen in Scotland to see that for a minimum unit price. So the operating mechanism I think is still a, a prize to be won, and we'll continue to work on that. But overall, the duty reforms, I think uh, have have been a positive story for 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 public health, and uh, time will tell uh, whether we see the benefits from that. Uh, I certainly hope that we do.
0: Yeah, I think one of the the key issues is that, as you say, where will the duty rates be set? And if they aren't uprated, there is potential for the reforms to actually potentially do little to uh, improve public health. Um, so it will be interesting, as you say, time will tell. I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you that uh, if the Labour Party does win at the next election, you talk about the how it should be, the upgrading should be changed to a sort of more technical approaches and to sort of depoliticise it. If the Labour Party wins the next election, do you think they'll bring in an upgrading system and focus more on public health?
2: I would hope they would. I would hope they would see that actually this is a measure that would solve them a bit of a presentational headache every year that it would improve public health and it, and it would would improve public finances so I, I you would hope that they would take a look at it and and decide that this was worth doing um, i think there's a kind of broader issue of of, of the place of alcohol in political debate I think there seems to be a great fear amongst politicians, particularly in Westminster, that doing anything on alcohol regulation is going to be politically toxic. And I think that's been proved not to be the case. It's minimum price has not been politically toxic in Wales, in, in, in Scotland, in the Republic of Ireland. I was doing some work looking at the uh, Nordic monopolies, the alcohol monopolies uh, in This particular was in Finland, and they're popular. Institutions in the country, people like the idea that there are effective controls on alcohol. And some work that was done by youGov looking at, you know, what taxes do people tend to favour. Uh, the answer was tobacco and, and and alcohol taxes. Those are taxes that people think are appropriate things to be taxed because of the the harm that they cause. So I think the rather frustrating thing looking at English politics is that, you know with a few honorable exceptions amongst amongst MPs people are a bit cautious i think with this area and i think if they're a little bit braver they would they would be rewarded they'd be doing the right thing for health uh, and i think they'd be rewarded electorally as well and i just hope someone does take that that, that step in england because i think it would certainly move things in the right direction
0: that is all for this month thank you for listening and we hope you can join us in next month's podcast